Chapter One of Will Warburton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Will Warburton by George Gissing. Chapter One. The sea wind in his hair, his eyes agleam with the fresh memory of alpine snows, Will Warburton sprang out of the cab, paid the driver a double fare, flung on to his shoulder a heavy bag, and ran up, two steps at a stride, to a flat on the fourth floor of the many-tenanted building hard by Chelsea Bridge. His rat-tat-tat brought to the door a thin yellow face, cautious in espiel, through the narrow opening. "'Is it you, sir? All right, Mrs. Hopper. How are you? How are you?' He threw his bag into the passage and cordially grasped the woman's hands. "'Dinner ready? Savagely hungry. Give me three minutes and serve.' For about that length of time there sounded in the bedroom a splashing and a blowing. Then Warburton came forth with red cheeks. He seized upon a little pile of letters and packets which lay on his writing-table broke envelopes, rent wrappers, and read with now an ejaculation of pleasure, now a grunt of disgust, and again a mirthful half-roar. Then dinner, the feeding of a famished man of robust appetite and digestion, a man three or four years on the green side of thirty. It was a speedy business. In not much more than a quarter of an hour there disappeared a noble steak and its appurtenances, a golden-crusted apple tart, a substantial slice of ripe cheddar, two bottles of creamy bass. "'Now I can talk,' cried Will to his servant, as he threw himself into a deep chair and began lighting his pipe. "'What's the news? I seem to have been away three months rather than three weeks.' "'Mr. Franks called yesterday, sir, late in the afternoon, when I was here cleaning. He was very glad to hear you'd be back today.' and said he might look in to-night. Good. What else? My brother-in-law wishes to see you, sir. He's in trouble again. Lost his place at Boxons a few days ago. I don't exactly know how it happened, but he'll explain everything. He's very unfortunate, sir, is Alchin. Tell him to come before nine tomorrow morning, if he can. Yes, sir. I'm sure it's very kind of you, sir. What else? Nothing as I can think of just now, sir. Warburton knew from the woman's way of speaking that she had something still in her mind. But his pipe being well lit and a pleasant lassitude creeping over him, he merely nodded. Mrs. Hopper cleared the table and withdrew. The window looked across the gardens of Chelsea Hospital, old-time Ranelagh, to the westward reach of the river, beyond which lay Battersea Park, with its lawns and foliage. A beam of the July sunset struck suddenly through the room. Warburton was aware of it with half-closed eyes. He wished to stir himself and look forth, but languor held his limbs, and wreathing tobacco smoke kept his thoughts among the mountains. He might have quite dozed off, had not a sudden noise from within aroused him the unmistakable crash of falling crockery. It made him laugh, a laugh of humorous expostulation. A minute or two passed, 
Then came a timid tap at his door, and Mrs. Hopper showed her face. Another accident, sir, I'm sorry to say, were her faltering words. Extensive? Dish and two plates, I'm sorry to say, sir. Oh, that's nothing. Of course I shall make the good, sir. Pooh! Aren't the plates enough? Oh, quite enough just yet, sir. Warburton subdued a chuckle and looked with friendly smile at his domestic, who stood squeezing herself between the edge of the door and the jam, her habit when embarrassed. Mrs. Hopper had served him for three years. He knew all her weaknesses, but thought more of her virtues, chief of which were honest intention and a moderate aptitude for plain cooking. A glance about this room would have proved to any visitor that Mrs. Hopper's ideas of cleanliness were by no means rigid. Her master had made himself to a certain extent responsible for this defect. He paid little attention to dust, provided that things were in their wanted order. Mrs. Hopper was not a resident domestic. She came at stated hours. Obviously a widow, she had a poor, loose-hung, trailing little body, which no nourishment could plump or fortify. Her visage was habitually doleful, but contracted itself at moments into a grin of quaint drollery, which betrayed her for something of a humorist. "'My fingers is all gone silly today, sir,' she pursued. "'I dare say it's because I haven't had much sleep these last few nights.' "'How's that?' "'It's my poor sister, sir. My sister Liza, I mean. She's had one of her worst headaches. The extra special, we call them. This time it's lasted more than three days, and not one minute of rest has the poor thing got. Warburton was all sympathy. He inquired about the case as though it were that of an intimate friend. Change of air and repose were obvious remedies. No less obviously, these things were out of the question for a working woman who lived on a few shillings a week. Do you know of any place she could go to? asked Warburton, adding carelessly if the means were provided. Mrs. Hopper squeezed herself more tightly than ever between door and jam. Her head was bent in an abashed way, and when she spoke it was in a thick, gurgling tone, only just intelligible. There's a little lodging house at South End, sir, where we used to go when my husband could afford it. Well, look here. Get a doctor's opinion whether South End would do. If not, which place would? "'And just send her away. Don't worry about the money.' Experience enabled Mrs. Hopper to interpret this advice. She stammered gratitude. "'How's your other sister, Mrs. Olchin?' Warburton inquired kindly. "'Why, sir, she's doing pretty well in her health, sir. But her baby died yesterday week. I'll hope you'll excuse me, sir, for all this bad news just when you come back from your holiday, and when it's natural as you don't feel in very good spirits.' Will had much ado not to laugh. On his return from a holiday, Mrs. Hopper always presumed him to be despondent in view of the resumption of daily work. He was beginning to talk of Mrs. Olchin's troubles when at the outer door sounded a long, nervous knock. Ha! That's Mr. Franks! Mrs. Hopper ran to admit the visitor. End of chapter 1